Slob Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Richard Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, are senior staff writers Ryan Whitfield and Joey Alibro. And this week, we have yet another terrific guest from the Beerfield Fantasy Football Podcast. We have Dan Theory. Welcome to the show, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited. Excited to be able to talk some football and some combine with you guys. Yeah, you know, and then we were just talking about this before the show started, but I cannot believe that we've never had you on the show until now. This is unbelievable to me because, like I said, we had those second-rate hacks, Nick and Chris, on the show. How do we not have Dan on the show? It makes no sense. It just makes no sense to me. But uh, you couldn't dodge us forever. We finally got you on the show. So, hey, why don't you introduce us to, your, to our listeners? Why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about how you became a fantasy football analyst? All right, so you can find me on Twitter at ThuriBSF. I, as these guys stated, I am part of the Deerfield Fantasy Crew, Deerfield FF. I don't know what Nick and Chris have told you about how the podcast started, but it was basically <laughs> a drunken 6 a.m. night after uh, All Night Bender, and we were like, nice. you know what, screw it, we'll start the podcast. I know Nick and I have talked about it for years, because I've known Nick for, I think, over 10 years now, 11 years. And we've oh, wow. always talked about starting one, so I think meeting Chris and getting that going kind of helped propel it, and it just took a bunch of drinking to get it finally going. <laughs> As usual, beer makes the world go round. It's amazing how much you can get done when you are drinking on an all-night bender. Well well played, Dan. It's a fantastic podcast, and we've said this day in, day out, every time we have a guest on the show, and even when, and even when we don't. Go check out the Beer Fuels Fantasy Football Podcast. Go check it out on YouTube as well. Ryan mentioned last week it is one of his favorite, favorite YouTube um, podcasts uh, out there. It's just so much fun. It's so great information, terrific information. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's give you some kudos, Dan, because you actually won our best ball fantasy football league this year. <laughs> So congrats to that. Now, we already congratulated Chris for winning our actual season-long fantasy football league, so you guys are just totally sweeping us, which is really uncool. So I told Chris that at some point <laughs> I'm going to get you guys to get back to our podcast so you can stop, stop destroying our league, you know. But anyway, but being the Beer Fuel uh, Fantasy Football uh, Podcast, uh, you guys drink a lot of beer. You guys know your beer. I, I, I actually take my beer tips from you more so than fantasy football, no offense. <laughs> but let me ask you this <laughs> question. Cool. Yeah, so uh, what did you drink in order to celebrate your win? You must have drank, you must have cracked open a beer after your one. Tell me, what did you drink? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, because I think Chris and I talked about it when uh, when I met up with them in St. Louis, was um, I think I cracked open my Epic um, Imperial Baptist. It was the, uh, uh, it was the middle one. It was one of the rare releases. I can't, I can't remember the name, but it was an Imperial out uh, barrel-aged whiskey, um, vanilla, caramel, all all types of fun stuff. So we got we got pretty toasty on a on a twelve percent beer. So let's just say we <laughs> celebrated properly. That's no for sure. no better beer than more percent. You know that's what I'm saying. Twelve percent, right. <laughs> double the double your fun right there. 
right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan, for jumping on the show. This is going to be fantastic. We're super excited here. As we previewed last week, as we previewed on Twitter, we got a lot to cover today, and it's all about the NFL Combine. It's And, heck, let's just go ahead and just get this show started. All right, the NFL Combine is just around the corner, starting on February 26th and running through March 4th. And this year, we'll see 338 prospects from around the country run numerous questionably informative drills in a controlled environment in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Now, we'll be focusing today mostly on the offensive skill positions, that being quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight ends. We'll be working out on Friday, March 1, and running backs for running backs, and on Saturday, March 2nd, for quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. But we'll hit a few defensive players at the end, so you'll have something to do on Sunday and Monday. Let's go ahead and start with you, Dan. Why don't you go ahead and highlight which quarterbacks you're looking for uh, at the Combine and what you're looking for there and, and why you're looking at them? Um, well, I guess for me, is I don't, I don't put a whole lot of weight, especially for quarterbacks into the Combine, because you start looking at their athletic traits and you just assume the most athletic ones are going to be the most successful. And uh, we've seen how that has turned out for certain players. Um, but what I do look for, what I do tend to watch is the throw-in drill. Um, the Mainly the throw-in drill is just to see mm-hmm. in controlled environments in the, you know, gym Olympic sports wearing mm-hmm. uh, shorts and whatnot. I tend to watch throw-in drills just to see if, if they're throwing motion, if, you know, if their arm strength and accuracy matches what I'm seeing on tape. And really, it's the top prospects. It's your Haskins. It's your Locks. It's your Murrays. Right. Um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of who I'm watching to see if the top billing guys um, can actually make some of these throws. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, you're, so you have your eyes specifically locked on to Haskins, Locke, and, uh, and Murray, the guys that everybody are really excited about, I'm really excited about. Anybody else you're looking at in the quarterback side, or you really want to just get a feel for all of them in this particular in this in the it's, combine? It's more of a feel. Um, right now I've watched five, I think five or six around there. I've watched, I tend to watch most of the top guys just to, just to get a feel and do more Twitter arguments when, when people right. post their top tens. Um, yep. I've liked Will Greer and uh, Kyler Murray the most so far. Um, and this mm. young uh, film watching grind that I'm on. So I, those two are my top two right now. So I'm watching them a little more closely. Okay, great. Well, let's turn it over to you, Ryan. Why don't you give us the quarterbacks that you're looking at in the NFL combine and, and why? Hey, Ryan, you might be on mute. No, I'm here. I, I'm just, I'm having every technical <laughs> difficulty in the book. He just speechless. Your speechless presentation was so amazing. He could yeah, not. I swear to I God, I'm about two seconds from picking up my computer and slamming it into the effing floor. <laughs> That's so. my life. I'm always looking to throw my computer out the window. Unbelievable. So. <laughs> I got the. I got the. I don't know if it's coming off of nine days in a row being sick or just uh, a foul mood, but I've got the hair across. You know, I got a hair across my ass today. So, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So the. Dan actually touched on him right there at the end. The guy that I'm, I'm most, most interested right now in is, is Will Greer. Um, so that's, oh, wow. that's who I'll be, I'll be uh, um, paying close attention to. Uh, I think my, my opinions on um, the combine have been well known. Uh, I'm a yeah. little bit hesitant because uh, the last, uh, the last quarterback and I was, I was uh, admittedly much younger and much stupider at the time. 
Um, but I was, uh, you know, the last guy I fell for out of West Virginia was Gene Smith, and we know how that turned out. So, right. Um, <laughs> we do kind so of know how that turned out. <laughs> right. So, Will Greer will be number one. Um, another uh, – I'm trying to pull up my notes right now. Um, Jesus, these technical difficulties. I am interested uh, – a name for from a New England perspective that has been float, uh, been floating around a lot around here about mm-hmm. somebody um, that the Patriots could potentially look at a little bit further in the draft uh, is Daniel Jones out of Duke. Um, oh, yeah. Or 6'5", 220. So uh, a guy that, you know, uh, you know, is a guy that I'll, I'll be interested in. But, you know, mainly it's going to be Greer is the person I'll be watching this week. Uh, to, to come to my, so. Right. Okay. All right. Well, Joey, let's pop over to you here for a second. And tell, you, why don't you tell us which quarterback you're looking at? Uh, I'm mainly looking at three guys. Uh, uh, you guys know I'm a Giants fan, and it's time to move on from Eli. So I'm looking at the the best three in my mind. Um, first, let's start with Haskins, uh, Haskins from Ohio State. Um, yep. Threw for over 50 touchdowns last year, threw for over 4,000 yards. Um, a knock on him throughout like this draft process has been his lack of experience as a starter at the college level. He only had that one year as a starter at Ohio State. Um but for me, he um, he really does it all in terms of accuracy, uh, pocket presence, uh, just overall vision. Um, a comp that I have for him would be a ceiling of, of Roethlisberger in terms of uh, play style, of course, maybe not like the accolades and the championships that Roethlisberger has. But, um, and then the, the floor would be a Jameis Winston type for me, which is obviously kind of bottom of the barrel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he has a lot of room to improve. He could do well just sitting behind a guy for a year. And I'm interested to see how he tests out at the combine. Um, the second guy, uh, you, uh, you guys touched on him a little bit, is Kyler Murray. Um, I don't right. expect him to do any drills, actually. Um, he still hasn't confirmed on doing any drills. He might just show up and do interviews with teams. And I don't blame him. Um, he's going to get knocked because um, he's not going to be as fast as he looks on tape. Um, I expect if he were to run the 40 – um, he probably tested in about four, four, five, or four, five uh, flat, um, just based on his track numbers from when he was in high school. That that's the comparable first forty. Um, his size in terms of height is what really concerns me about him. It's his weight, so I'm super interested in what he actually weighs uh, at the combine. Um, right. If he can get up into that 185, 190 range, I'd be way less concerned <clears throat> about his smaller frame. And then yeah. the third guy. Um, it's going to be Brett Ripien from Boise State. Um, wow. He's been sneaking okay. around the top three or top four of a lot of people's boards recently in terms of the quarterback position. Um, I could see him ma- making a little bit of a rise um, like Carson Wentz did a few, year- a few years ago. Um, obviously, Boise State's not the biggest school in the world, and neither was North Dakota State um, when Wentz came out. Um, so if he has a if he has a strong combine, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up right next to Murray and Haskins in terms of the best quarterbacks in this draft. Yep, yep, and uh, and Murray obviously an exciting prospect. Everyone knows. Everyone keeps their eyes on him. Did you know? I don't know if you guys know this, but he gave up a crap ton of money in order to go play football. He actually owes the Oakland A's $1.29 million back of his signing bonus. I don't know what he did. I hope he didn't spend it all. But he owes them $1.29 million back because he decided to go into the NFL draft and forego the A's, in which he was uh, drafted in the, fourth, in the first round, ninth overall, 
uh, last year. So really exciting stuff there for him. Um, hey, I got to ask you this question, uh, Joey, because I know you. I know you know this because you tweeted out and you you responded really early. But the entire this entire thing with Landon Collins earlier today with Justina Anderson reporting that he cleaned out his locker and then Paul Schwartz of the New York Post coming out and saying that he did not clean out his locker and then Landon Collins setting the record straight and telling him that, well, you know, I do have stuff back in my locker, but whatever is in there, I don't really need. So uh, what do you think yeah, about this Landon Collins um, thing? Yeah, basically there's idiots on both sides of that. Uh, Justina Anderson and Paul Schwartz. Uh, it does not matter if he cleaned out his locker. He has no, authority over whether he gets franchise tagged or not. So right. um, I, it really is meaningless. Um, I do expect the Giants to franchise tag him, if not to try to sign him long-term, but to, to have control over him in a, a trade situation, try to get a third or fourth round pick uh, in that. But, yeah, basically a non-story there. Oh, Dan, did you see all this this, this uh, drama that went back and forth on Landon Collins today? Yeah, I was, I was actually reading it up, but I didn't see that uh, there's been conflicting reports. I think the Giants would be stupid to let him walk, especially after the whole Odell thing, um, the fact that it's still going on. it's They need to try to keep this locker room and keep fans interested. It, it just seems ridiculous um, to let one of the top younger safeties just walk. So I, right. I, I fully expect him to at the very least get franchise tags, and if he doesn't want to be there, they try to get some compensation for him. Right, right. He can pull a he can pull a, a, a Le'Veon Bell, of course, and <laughs> we've seen that people can sit out a whole season, so it definitely can happen. What do you think, yeah. Ryan? You you always have a, a nose for this nonsense. What do you think about this Landon Collins business? Yeah, I think that we've seen uh, in the in the last year or so here more than ever that holding players against their will on your team um, is is not good business, and that you know. I, I don't know if we'll ever have the players union organized enough that they can, they can do a massive holdout um, because there's just too many guys who are only going to play two or three years and need every single game check they can get. Um, But it it feels like the players are finally rising up and while people like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I kind of laugh at um, the overall premise of sticking it. This is the only league where, where the contracts are really one-sided where, where you're, you're basically held to a team and then they can franchise you even when the contract's over. Yet you have, you know, they can cut you at a, you know, halfway through the contract, and they don't have to pay you any any money past the guaranteed. Um, so I hope Landon Collins sticks it to him. And and you know, it, it again, I just think it's bad business. So if the Giants want to get stubborn, sure they can franchise tag him. Um, but I just think that it, it's probably best to just move on with that that whole thing that. They gotta, they gotta rebuild. They're, they're trying to do this right. one foot, one foot in a rebuild, and one foot and still trying to compete. And all it gets them is, is you know, four or five wins every year. So they need to just right. blow out the whole thing and, and start over um, and, and try rebuilding. So I think Landon Collins is a great player. So maybe, maybe partly I'm saying that as a Patriot fan, hoping Devin McCourty retires so the Patriots go after Collins. Um, but, <laughs> right, of course. Um, but I, you know, I think the Giants are—they're not going to be competing anytime soon, in my opinion. So they gotta—they gotta rebuild the thing. Um, yep, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, yeah. I mean, I would probably not draft a running back in the first round again. But you know, we'll see what they do. <laughs> well, well, if they do it again, that would be something. That would be really something. All right, let's just keep on rolling here, Dan. Why don't you talk about running backs for us? Which running backs you got an eye on at the combine this year? Um, so my top running back right now is David Montgomery, and that's just through film grinding and just you know, some of the analytical points that are to that. And 
one of his biggest knocks, I guess, is how well he's going to test in terms of speed. Um, most people don't expect him to run a high 40. Um, I have him probably around a mid four or five, which would put him right around the likes of, you know, Kamara and, and Dalvin Cook. And um, we've all seen throughout the years that the 40 time is one of the most overrated staffs ever based around. Um, mm-hmm. But I mostly want to see how he runs his agility drills, um, the three cone, the 20 yard and 40 yard, mainly just the three cone and 20 yard, sh- you know, sh- sh- shuttle because that kind of highlights his game more. And that kind of speaks to the other two guys I want to watch, and that's Devin Singletary and Daryl Henderson, some of the two yep. of the smaller guys who, uh, who who put on a lot of carries in college. Well, don't, I don't expect them to be future three down backs but I want to see how well they test in terms of being a scat back or a three or a third down kind of change of pace back. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see where those guys and their weights, especially those two and Singletary and Henderson who are typically smaller guys in terms of their, you know, their weight. When I watch uh, Singletary, he doesn't look like he's 200 pounds. So I want to see if that's actually true. And then when Henderson right. is on the flip side, he looks bigger than 200 pounds. So I want to see more of, weight overall and who's going to fit the, the quote-unquote weight uh, the weight level per their size and put up a high BMI. Right. All right. Okay. And you are not and you did not mention either of the Alabama running backs, Josh Jacobs or Damian Harris. You're not interested in them, or you think they don't really have anything to gain from the combine? Um, I love them both. They're both in my top three. Um, actually, Jacobs and Harris are my number two and three. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jacobs I think they'll both be fine in terms of testing. Um, I could mention them. I just assume those guys are going to be talked about, so I don't want to talk right. about every single of these top running backs here. <laughs> right. I, I have a right. lot of interest in both. I think Harris gets a lot of flack with all the Josh Jacobs love because he looked very good on tape and was very productive on an Alabama team that tends to always have productive running backs. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I'm interested to see. I'm a big fan of both of them, so, yeah. All right. Oh, well, that's a, that's a lot of guys to take a look at, and I think that running backs do kind of benefit from a show at the Combine. So, Ryan, what do you think? Who are you looking at at the Combine in terms of running backs, even though we all know how you feel about running backs generally in the NFL? They're all interchangeable widgets, but who are you looking at? <laughs> you bastardized my take yet again. I, I didn't <laughs> no, say they're all interchangeable widgets. I just said – I've always said that you just don't drop them in the first round. Um, it's, it's actually an expanding theory – uh, that, that I have while, while we're on it, because there's been a lot of talk about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, the last, you know, couple of days here in New England, um, mm-hmm. going to the Patriots potentially and, and all those trade rumors. And somebody brought this up on Sports Radio today. And it's actually interesting to note that I always talk about how you don't draft uh, that, that elite running backs don't win Super Bowls, that Marshawn Lynch has really been the only guy in like the last like eight years. Um, I would say if you go back to it, the last diva number one wide receiver, and he was really the number two on his team, is Santonio Holmes in 2010. So my, <laughs> so so really honestly, because it's been Doug Baldwin and Anquan Bolden, and then you know yep. Brandon LaFell, and so just don't draft diva high high you know high price skill position players. You just got to get guys wow. who are actually you know it's a team sport. So anyways, okay. we'll move on from that. Um, but my internet is just working like absolute dog shit. So I'm having a really hard time pulling up all my notes. So I'll tell you two guys that are on my mind. And one, I was just trying to verify again today, um, but I'll get to him second. So the first one is um, obviously I I covered Mississippi state for SB nation last football season. So I watched a lot of the SEC. So I I did get to see 
um, Benny Snell up close and personal, um, yeah. at least, you know, from, from watching on a, on a consistent basis week to week. Um, so he's a guy that I'm really interested in. I, I wish I had saved him. This will be the third straight week I'm going to reference a tweet that I have no idea who tweeted it and can't point <laughs> you to it. But uh, Great. I, we like to credit our sources. But somebody <laughs> comped him to Bishop Sankey, and, uh, which is actually a pretty terrifying comp. Oh, that's horrible. Um, Man, yeah, I so, forgot about him. Yeah, I did. Too. I had to look up. I had to look up Tennessee running backs from 2014 just so I could get the name for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Bishop Sankey was the was the comp. Um, you know that one guy had, but I, I like him. I think he he isn't flashy, but he is a consistent guy. He's a guy who I think that if you watch in the combine, um, won't blow you away. But I'm interested to see a lot of the strength statistics. Um, and, and just see how he grades out in, in terms of bench press and stuff like that. Um, yep. So I, I think he, he'll be a good, consistent running back in the NFL and a guy that could go further down where I'd like to see him go. Um, the other guy, which is the one I was trying to verify here because, again, my Internet's working like dog crap right now. Um, yep. But Rice Love was a guy that I uh, did a, when I was doing um, uh, my practice runs for Pro Football Focus last offseason. I had to watch a lot of Stanford games um, so I didn't get to watch him up close to personal last year as much and I haven't done my film work on him yet, but right. Bryce Love was a guy I really did like. The one thing I'm trying to look up is I know he's coming off the ACL. Um, by all, everything I can see, it looks like he is definitely going to uh, at least uh, participate in the combine. I don't know how full go he is. Um, so if anybody has different information on that, feel free to correct me. But if Bryce Love is in, he's the other running back that I'm really interested in watching. All right. Well, that's uh, actually that's a good one because I actually had forgotten about Bryce Love. So um, yeah, that's that's one that wasn't on my radar. I'll definitely put him back on the radar now. Uh, Ryan, uh, Joey, let's switch over to you. Which running backs are you looking at? Um, there's two. Uh, this is this is going to be the first. This is going to be one of about three UGA players I'm going to mention just because um, they're they're good and I got to watch them up close and personal already. Um, right. This guy's Elijah Holyfield. He was a one-year starter at UGA um, this past season. He was a him and um, DeAndre Swift really manned down that backfield. Um, he's strong. He's uh, more of a one-cut guy. I'm interested to see how his speed tests out. He's not he's not going to be one of the faster guys. Um, he fights for yards. He breaks a lot of tackles. Um, his biggest issue is probably catching the ball out of the backfield. I know Georgia doesn't do a lot of um, a lot of that, so that could have that could be um, the reason. But um, if he if he's able if he shows he's able to catch the ball on a consistent basis at the combine and then pro, his pro day, um, he's gonna I believe he's gonna be a, a year one starter at the running back position. Whoever drafts him, I expect him to go in about round two, uh, maybe early round three, uh, which would be a steal for him. Uh, the other guy has already touched on Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. He's a, he's a very instinctual runner, uh, what I've seen on tape. Um, his play style is a little wild, but um, he's going to fight for that extra yard. He's very powerful. Um, he's His biggest flaw is pass protection, as is usually the case with rookie running backs, um, but that can be coached up. Obviously, um, if any running back is going to go in the first round, it's going to be him. I don't expect it to be anywhere near the top 15 of the draft. Um, right. Maybe a team would trade – back up into the first round to get him, maybe 26, 27, 28, that range. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, those are the two guys I'm excited to watch at the running back division. Yeah, I'd be surprised if any running backs go in the first round this year. But, hey, who knows? Yeah, there's been some success running backs from last year's draft. Maybe people are getting excited about it and they get it for cheap. So let's go ahead and go to the last – 
set of skill positions. We'll put them together because we're running a little bit short on time. Let's go wide receivers and tight ends together. Dan, why don't you highlight which wide receivers and tight ends you have your eye on for the combine? Um, I am for sure going to watch Metcalf. Um, I'm, I'm yep. not super high in him in terms of where a lot of the draft community is, but I just want to see if he can say Quan Barkley, the draft, or uh, not the draft, the combine. Um, uh-huh. And then also to feel Harry, I, I got to see Harry because I think he's going to test better than what most people think. He'll, I don't care about his 40 times. I care about his agility score. Um, and that's, you know, with player profile. So his three, his three call and his 20 yard shuttle, because he, mm-hmm. he moves extremely well for a guy his size. He's basically Cortland Sutton, but bigger in terms of how quick he can move in open field. It's why he's a big yak machine, which is why I think he's going to be very good as a fantasy receiver for sure. Um, right. So those are the, those two big ones are the main ones. Um, there's some other ones I haven't gotten through a whole lot or a bunch of my receivers. I watch all the top guys for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. and I think they're all going to test either fairly well, or um, I was really hoping to see Marquise Brown test. Um, but unfortunately with his injury, he's not going to, he may not even be ready for year one. Um, but in terms of tight ends, obviously you got to talk about the two Iowa guys. Cause, um, yeah. I'm no pretty definitely. sure Fane's going to test extremely well. I don't think he's, I don't think either of the guys are going to test like Kaseki. Um, but I, I fully expect them both to test. Well, Hawkinson's going to test better than what most people think. I like Irv Smith, a um, little raw, but I like, to, I like to think he'll test almost similarly as O.J. or as O.J. Howard, maybe not quite as explosive, mm. but I'm a big fan of what I saw from him on tape. And then just any other Penn State people, because they seem to put out the most athletic freaks we've seen over the past few years. Yeah, most definitely. Those are some good ones, and I, I agree, uh, particularly on those Iowa tight ends. Interesting to see what will happen if they will separate themselves at the combine. Ryan, what about you? Wide receivers and tight ends, who you got your eyes on? Obviously, no divas. Who you got? Who you who you like? <laughs> so uh, this actually probably shouldn't be a surprise if you listened to me last year. Um, I uh, at least through year one whiffed on Alan Lazard, but I'm going back to Iowa State. <laughs> okay. I am uh, as as I've started as I've started to dive in on my wide receiver film study. Um, Hakeem Butler, it might be. This is going to be so. I'm going to talk about another guy I absolutely whiffed on, but I have not been so excited watching a man play football amongst boys since watching Justin Blackman back in the day. Hakeem <laughs> Butler. Wow. Okay. All right. And I, okay. Hey, if he had just stayed sober, he would have been fantastic. Yes, him, and Josh Gordon, him and Josh yeah. Gordon could be on the, on the all uh, addicts team. Cause those two, <laughs> right. they could have just <laughs> could keep their heads on straight. That'd have been unbelievable. Uh, yep. But Hakeem Butler, I mean, again, me and you've done this show long enough now, uh, Hakun, and any one of our followers knows how much I love big-bodied receivers. So I was going to say that. I just didn't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> go there. So a guy who's 6'6 six, six and 225 could not, could not be right down my alley or right down my lane more than this guy. Um, yep. He is – best thing I saw, there was, a, there was one play I watched in one of the highlight films today um, where he, he, he was his, – his, uh, his backhand was hooked – so a blatant hold that got missed. He goes up, catches it one-handed, and then the guy who hooks his hand actually ends up grabbing his jersey and spinning him around. So, and then he shakes him off, and he takes two steps, and he has no speed, and it still takes three guys to bring him down. I mean, I almost <laughs> took my clothes off and ran around in a circle. I was that excited. <laughs> no, don't lie. You, um, you already did it. I know you did it. I mean, I was, I was at work. I was in the office at the time. It was lunch, so I no, I, I, I unfortunately did you. 
<laughs> so, uh, and so he's physical. He's hard to bring down. Uh, he's one of these guys that, you know, his, his agility and his burst isn't there, but once he gets moving downfield, he's really hard to stop. Um, he's a really good run blocker. He just eats up DBs on the edge, which I love a guy who can block. Um, obviously, being a Julian Edelman fan and, you know, being in yep. New England where, where receivers have to do more than just make, uh, you know, pretty one-handed catches down the sideline. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the one thing he needs to work on is his route running ability. Um, you know, a lot of it's fly routes, anything, any kind of post route he runs over the middle. His footwork is real sloppy. And there's not a real commit to to misdirection on it. So that's something that, you know, I'm interested to see if footwork's kind of started to improve and turn around for him. So I'll be excited to see that at the Combine. Um, and then I, I honestly stayed right in Iowa, and I know Dan just touched on him. But, you know, really the only tight end that's really uh, on my radar right now that I, that I enjoyed watching so far has been Noah Fant. So yep. um, the two Iowa State guy or the two Iowa guys here, like those that I, I just or Iowa and Iowa State guys, um, you know, I stayed right in the in the buck. I say I just I enjoyed it. It was um, no offense, six five two forty one, um, thirty nine receptions, five hundred nineteen yards, seven touchdowns. I love guys who are who prevent you know who are, who are big bodies and give you red zone targets and red zone options. So um, you know. I, I stayed in the in, in the Midwest there on those on those two, but Hakeem Butler is my new Alan Lazard, and Alan Lazard makes a resurgence this year. Yeah, so the two things there, Ryan, you just insulted all of Iowa by calling them the Buckeye State. But other than that, <laughs> you did man crush. You did man crush on a big bodied receiver, so all is right in the world again. So I feel I feel better yeah. about us already. Uh, Joey, why don't you uh, going to go get us? Uh, what are you looking at in far, as far as wide receivers and tight ends? Uh, my first receiver is going to be another Georgia player, uh, Nicole Hardman. Um, he's a shorter guy, uh, projects to a, a slot type of role, um, but he's going to light up the 40-yard dash and any speed test he has. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the fastest guy at the combine. Um, his strengths are um, just running those vertical routes downfield like we've seen Tyreek Hill do for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, he didn't produce a lot in college just based on um, Georgia's offensive scheme. Um, he did block fairly well for his size, him and Riley Ridley, who is also another player at the combine at the receiver position to watch. Um, so that's, a, that's another thing to like about him. Uh, a pro comp for him would probably be a Taylor Gabriel type. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to call him um, Tyree Hill just yet, but um my second receiver is actually going to be a guy who's not at the combine and should be at the combine. Um, it's Georgia, Georgia state university receiver, Penny Hart. Um, my senior year of high school, I was fortunate enough to intern with 24 seven sports covering the football team there. So I met him, talked to him, interviewed him on several occasions at practices and games and whatnot. He's a great kid. Um, he's extremely underrated just because of the fact that he's not at a power five school. Um, he offers a lot of versatility, um, even even though he's he's a smaller guy, just like Nicole Hardman, but um, he's got hands like glue. His start, his start stop acceleration is just ridiculous. Um, Matt Waldman, one of the guys who puts together the rookie scouting portfolio every year, had a nice uh, video breakdown of him recently. If you want to go check that out, um, but yeah, that, those are my two guys. Uh, even though one's not going to be in the combine, um, mm-hmm. at tight end. I have another Georgia guy because uh, Noah Fant is usually just the guy that people throw at a tight end. But at Georgia, yep. Isaac Nada, um, he's my guy. He's 
came in at 6'4", 250. Um, he's a red zone target uh, in the making in the NFL level. He's strong, quick, uh, great hands, uh, did a lot with what he was um, schemed up in at Georgia. Uh, didn't produce a lot, just like the other Georgia guys that I mentioned. Uh, so he doesn't jump out on the box score sheet. But every time he touched the ball, um, good things happened. So uh, I'm the most excited to see him. Great. All right. And so and, uh, take away... actually, I got, I got one, I got one more receiver. Um, okay. This one, it's more of a, I think this is like the perfect Patriot for you, Ryan, uh, Hunter Renfro from Clemson, uh, not just because he's a white yep. receiver. Um, I was going to say, <laughs> but um, yeah, not just because he's white, but um, right. his, his play style, he's, he's not overly athletic. He's not, um, he's not big at all. Um, so I see him in a Julian Edelman, Wes Walker type of situation if he comes to New England. And um, obviously he played in some huge games at Clemson. And I believe he was there for a number of years. It felt like he was there for about five seasons. I feel like um, he was there for like so 10 he, years. <laughs> he was there yeah, there for a while. So he's obviously got experience. I'm sure he's about 23, 24 years old already. And, um, <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, my last, that's my last receiver. So, so my takeaways there are that Joey likes small guys and that Ryan likes big-bodied guys. So that's a takeaway there from uh, our <laughs> wide receiver. That's, uh, that's, that's, hey, no, I didn't all, realize that. We, didn't all realize have, that uh, we all have our own taste. So, you know. <laughs> right. All right. Let's, let's just very quickly flip over to the other side. Just uh, Let's call this the everything else category, offensive line, defensive line, defensive secondary. Joey, I know you had some defensive guys you want to talk about in a second. Dan, did you have anybody you want to, to ping that we have not covered in the skill positions? Um. No, I just want to talk okay. about my love of uh, <laughs> right. Keen Butler. Typical fantasy like, football player. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm playing in IDP leagues this year, so I'm, I'm going to probably have to pay more attention to them. But uh, okay. I got to talk about my love of Keen Butler, too, because I just – he's probably my favorite. One of my favorite tapes to actually watch was his. But I'm not going to gush over a big body receiver because I'll do that enough on my own podcast. I don't want to waste your, your listeners' times with all those. But, uh, no, I think we touched on – all of them, um, yeah. the ones that – at least the ones I, I've watched. I like the – Another top feeling guys, A.J. Brown and Calvin Harmon. I just want – just more guys I want to see hopefully test well. And I don't want to see someone's draft stock, you know, plummet because they pulled a Delvin Cook or a or – a, or a Elvin Kamara. Not had a good right. Combine. Yeah. All right. Well, I get some good notes there. And, uh, Joey, I know you had some defensive guys you wanted to highlight. Who, uh, why don't you go ahead and hit those? Um, I have two defensive guys. Uh, they're both 